Welcome to the Family Biz Show. According to Family Enterprise USA, family businesses in the U.S. account for over 64% of GDP and employ 62% of the workforce. In other words, they are the backbone of our economy. But success doesn't come easy. Only 13% are operating in the third generation. The Family Biz Show is here to help. Listen in weekly to hear stories from other family businesses and industry thought leaders so that you and your family not only survive, but thrive. Welcome, everybody, to the Family Biz Show. I am your host, Michael Columbus, from Family Wealth and Legacy in Rochester, New York. Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Um, today's pretty special for me. I, I am excited and nervous all at the same time. Um, I have invited my parents, Marty and Maureen Columbus, to join us and um, with Courtney Pullen. Um, Courtney and I have known each other through the Purposeful Planning Institute for over 10 years now. Um, and my parents, obviously, I've known my whole entire life. So uh, <laughs> love it. Um, this is what's really neat is, you know, dad was a family wealth advisor long before I was and working with family owned businesses. And today I serve many of those same families where one family we're now talking to the fourth generation and we've served them right from day one. Um, you know, we have, so four generations we've served between the two of us. And this is kind of fun and interesting. When dad retired, I bought the family business portion of his practice. Um, and mom, um, when we were working on the estate plan, um, both dad and I, you know, having been estate planners and wealth advisors in the arena, um, you know, came up with some great, you know, ideas and plans. And um, based on the pre-show prep call that we did a week ago, mom said, oh, so I get to maybe change some of this stuff. I think you guys kind of ganged up on me as we were doing this. So um, I'm feeling a little nervous, but excited. So. <laughs> Welcome to the three of you. Um, yeah, Mar you know, Ma Mom and Dad, Marty Maureen, you know, I know you agreed to do this hesitantly and, and I appreciate your trust in both myself and Courtney. Um, in a moment, I'm gonna, once I do turn this over to Courtney, I'm gonna be, you know, I'm gonna be more, not the host and we're gonna allow Courtney to facil facilitate everything. This is an experiment that I believe could have legs. I really believe that allowing live, you know, that's why we called this family business unscripted because we're going to be talking about the Columbus family business, you know, the, not the business itself, but the business of our family. And um, I believe that a lot of family businesses out there and, and families of affluence um, may not take that step necessary to bring in somebody like Courtney to facilitate. They're really good at bringing in the attorney, the accountant, even their financial advisor, but they sometimes these, you know, the, 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 um, the family business coaches or the family wealth coaches, they don't know what they do. And that's what I really wanted to bring together. So this is live. 
We, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. And Maureen Columbus gets the final say whether this recording ever makes it out to the podcast. Um, <laughs> so, you know, with that, mom and dad, why don't you take a few minutes and talk about, you know, yourselves, your journey with family businesses, and then, but more importantly, you know, your journey with, you know, the, give some background to what we're going to be talking about with PFV and, you know, and the, and the Columbus family. And then I'll have Courtney jump in and introduce himself. Go ahead. Have a word or two. No words. Okay. Um, as Michael said, I, you know, I was in the, the business of working with families on their own estate planning for 41 years before he bought out a portion of my practice. Um, and specifically the portion that worked with family businesses. And um, while you know, I dealt with 300 various clients over the years, when we honed it down to uh, the family business portion of my business, it was about eight families, um, um, probably close to 75 different people, but from eight different families where I worked starting with uh, the founders of the business to their kids, to their kids' kids. And as Michael's saying, now he is on to working with the fourth generation of some of those people. I knew who those kids were when they were born, but they were little kids. Now they're adults and Michael is working with fourth generation. So I understand that it's tough to get people thinking about this, especially when you're running a business and you're right in the middle of payroll and taxes and job bids and everything that you have to do to run a company. Um, but it's important to settle back and have a conversation without the stress of uh, business operations or family operations for that matter. And just talk about what's important to you. Um, I, I think we've done a lot of that. Um, I, I was telling Michael and Courtney earlier, I went through our state documents, which frankly, we just updated in August of 2018. So it's not like I had to blow too much dust off of them to read them. Um, and they're, you know, they are well thought out, good products that accomplish the kinds of things we want to do to preserve the resources we put together. Um, and if there's any dis disagreement between the two of us, it's um, why don't we just give them the money? Um, you know, which has been, you know, kind of a bone of contention back and forth. And we use trusts for the purpose of protecting resources for our children and ultimately grandchildren. Um, just having been through many a life situation where divorces occur and uh, legal problems develop, um, a person's personally held assets can be um, wasted away through either no fault of their own or all their fault, but wasted away nonetheless. And the use of trusts in an estate plan uh, brings a level of protection, a potential protection to the estate. Um, so from a legal perspective, that's the, the kind of documentation that's in place right now. Set aside the legal, um, one of the things that has marked um, the last 20 years for us um, actually 21 years for us, is something we call PFV, which is Columbus Family Vacation. And we just concluded PFV 21. And this started um, as uh, all the kids left the house 
um, 21 years ago. We hadn't seen them and they hadn't seen each other for a while. So we got together actually um, just for a, a great grandma's birthday party over a long weekend. And it was the first time any of them had seen each other in quite a while. We have kids in California, kids in New York City, kids in Maine. So you know, the only time they get together is we figured we'd see them at holiday time. But obviously, they all have families of their own as well on the other side of the couple. So we didn't all have them home at holiday time. So this one weekend was the time when everybody was here. And we had such a great time. We said, let's do it again next year. And we did. Only instead of a weekend, we made it a long weekend. They came on Thursday, didn't go home till Tuesday. And that day, the uh, event ended and said, hey, let's do a whole week next year. And so now for 21 years, we have taken a full week and um, bring them all together. And a lot of this is driven by the fact that, you know, in the financial services industry, we were the beneficiaries of a lot of very entertaining, exciting travel as incentives for what it was that we, for production. You know, you deliver this, you go to Hawaii. You deliver this, you, you go to South Africa. You deliver this, you go to Switzerland. I mean, Maureen and I have been all over the world on company trips as a result of the, the business that we did with Lincoln. Um, I, I wanted to create that same experience for our kids, none of whom, except Michael, are in the same industry, none of whom have exposure to that kind of opportunity for um, travel. So we oftentimes will rent a great big house, and it's getting more and more difficult to find a house big enough. Um, you know, uh, five years ago, uh, we're not traveling the world with the kids. Yeah, no, we're, we're, we find there's plenty of places in, in the United States that are well worth going to. We've been to the Outer Banks. We've been to Long Island and on the Montauk. We've been to Toronto. Okay. So we've been to lots of places and the kids value it. Um, we concluded two weeks ago and, um, Michael took us through, uh, an interesting discussion among the group about what you think about this? How, how do you view PFB? Is it important to you? Do you want to see it to continue? Um, and there were differences of opinion. Some people said, eh, I'm not so sure. Um, and others said, uh, it's very important to us and it's especially important to the younger generation. It's great for the kids to see each other, cousins who wouldn't see each other otherwise. So. Um, you know, we, back to just a, a legal perspective, we created a life insurance trust a few years ago and put a big life insurance policy in there. It's a single to die, it's, it's first to die, so it's on me. Um, at my passing, that trust will receive a block of capital. And um, at the time we created it, frankly, it was in the days when there was an estate tax. It was critical, if you had a big insurance policy, you didn't want it owned by the insured or it would be included in the taxable estate. Well, I'd like to tell you we've got $22 million, but we don't. So the estate tax avoidance implications of the trust don't exist anymore. But the idea of a pool of money coming together and allowing it to fund PFD on into the future is an idea that we kicked around. And frankly, that I think is where some of the the uh, discussion came from at the meeting is, well, why don't we just take the money and then we'll pay for it? Which 
Okay, that, that's an option. Um, unless you don't want to go, in which case you just get the money and go away. So, you know, I, we place a priority on getting everybody together. Uh, we're not so old that we're going to be gone anytime soon. So um, the, the ones who maybe had challenges about whether they think it's a good idea now, 10 years from now, they may feel radically different. And the ones who value it so much, who are now eight and 10 years old, will maybe to the point, same place their parents are now saying, ah, I don't care. So it will evolve over time. And Michael said I was maybe not so happy with the estate plan because I am a believer in looking at what has already been created, which at the time was very good, but um, every few years you should look at it and update it and possibly change it. I don't like the fact that it's set in stone. And so here we are. Thank you both. Too much information, Courtney, but go ahead. Now you're on. Feel free to cut us off. We're talkers. <laughs> Michael, any last comments before we transition? Um, yeah, it, it was, it was interesting. I, I would just share with everybody that, you know, my family was open to carving out some time for a family meeting and we had it facilitated for about an hour and a half of it with a person, um, who took a, the whole family through the disc profiles. So we had a really interesting conversation about what that meant and, probably at least 50% of the family was hesitant and saying, what are we doing this for? I don't, I don't get it. And 100% of the family left saying, this was really good and I'm glad we did it. So, you know, and that's, see, that seems to be, you know, the, the flavor that, we, that I see in working with just about any family is this first time of doing something different is like, what are we doing this for? And it's scary. And then it was really neat to watch my siblings and hear them as they came up afterwards and said, really appreciate you thinking and caring enough about the family to push us to do something that was uncomfortable. So. Um, and it was very, very, very good. Thank, thank you. Um, Courtney, what I'd like to, you know, take a, take a few minutes and then just tell us about your journey. How did you end up where you are today? And then from that point forward, you can just roll with it. The show's yours. Okay, let me try to do it in less than a minute so we can just launch right into this, okay? <laughs> um, originally trained as a psychotherapist, um, left that practice 25, 30 years ago, and um, all the time my career has been focused primarily just on family, closely held businesses, and the family enterprise. So the category that I would be in would be a family wealth coach or family wealth consultant. So Maureen, I'm not your estate attorney. <laughs> Marty was saying, you were wondering about who I was uh, as we we're waiting for you to come down. I, Michael, I just want to start out by saying um, something to you that I appreciate your commitment to your audience. Because when you put launch this idea about Let's try an experiment of some kind. You didn't know it was going to end up like this. Um, you said, I just want to create a great learning uh, experience for my audience, and let's brainstorm about what the possibilities are. And then here we are a few weeks later with your parents, and 
you're, you know, in you. So um, my hat's off to you and your openness to, to doing this. And Marty Marie, um, thank you so much. Um, and from a similar perspective, I, I think that people learn a lot more from you all that are living it than some consultant like me talking about best practices from my vantage point. So blessings to the two of you for taking your time and your openness just to, to be in this conversation, which is ultimately all it's going to be. So what, what I'd like to start with is that so often when we're working on an estate plan, we get so in the weeds about the, the right techniques and the proper vehicles for avoiding taxes and so forth. But as, the, as you two step back from your estate plan, how would you describe the purpose of it? Um, my sense would be to take the resources we've built and allow it to go to the next generations um, with our values embedded in it. Um, we encourage um, giving and our kids are all givers of one kind or another. And um, we have been in the giving mode for years and years. And as opposed to giving away and do what you want with it, the idea of carrying on what's important to us is what I'm hoping for. Nice. That was beautiful, Marty. Thank you. Maureen, what would you add to that? Um, we worked very, very, very hard in this business. While I wasn't personally involved in the business, I held up the home front and uh, had part-time jobs and volunteering and caretaking of elderly family while Marty was a workaholic. And um, when you know how hard you worked, you want what you have saved to go for good purposes. And um, I'm all in favor of leaving my children the money that we have earned, but I don't want to spoil them by uh, making life too easy for them. Because, you know, we learn through our own mistakes and our own life path. And um, uh, so you have to be careful how much you give to your children. But yeah, uh, I think we need to, you know, since these things have come up, with our kids, we probably need to have meetings with our children individually and um, have some personal conversation about what happens after we die and how they see things. Maureen, I'm wondering, I'm gonna paraphrase what Marty said about the purpose to, um, to make sure that our values are carried on to the next generation. Uh, and he, he used giving as an example of that. Is that something that has resonance for you as well? Yeah, yes. Um, okay. We're always givers. I'm more a giver to the family and charities, but not 
he's a bigger giver to charities than family. Understood. Now, I know that Maureen used that as an example about giving. Is there any other value, Maureen, that for you is just a core essential value like giving to the family or to charity? Run that by me again. I didn't understand that. Is there a, um, uh, another value in addition to giving that feels oh. really important to you? Hmm. Um, time. Time spent with um, our best friends are our kids. Um, and uh, I just love to be around them and watch the kids and um, many people don't want to give time and now so that's that's where family vacation comes in is just I, spent yeah. with each other I, I'm so appreciative of you adding that value that time spent together because that's where my mind went to was the family vacation um, and it, what it sounds like it's glue for the family and it underscores an important value for for the two of you. Nice. But you can't force your children to, you know, if some of them don't. I was surprised that some of them might not want to do that. But um, uh, that's why I figure we need to have individual conversations with them. Yeah, absolutely. And Marie, too, um, we're going to get to that part of the conversation towards the end, which is what needs to be adjusted or changed or reconsidered. So um, we'll have ample opportunity to get to that conversation. I'm wondering um, about, and Michael, I'd like to include you now in this particular question, is when you think about the, the work that you've done on your estate plan up to this point, what has gone well or worked well? Because I'm, I'm impressed by the thoughtfulness that's gone into it. So just off the top of your head, what's worked well? Well, we have current documents, which isn't true in every situation. Um, you know, I'm done within two years of where we sit right now with the data, the, the documentation. And that, um, uh, you know, it, it reflects kind of a, a current view of things and there, there's nothing in there that uh, uh, doesn't still um, accomplish what we want to. Uh, so that's certainly gone well. Um, what hasn't gone well is um, exactly what Maureen said is we probably have a need to have a conversation with each of the kids, probably on their own as opposed to with spouses because um, there are provisions in the estate document which protect the assets for our kids and you know our uh, family is not um, exempt from uh, divorces and marriage problems and our priorities while there are kids that come from marriages and we're connected to them our chief priority are our own children so um, they need to understand the protections that are in there you know the the powers we have put into the trust allow them to unwind it in the stroke of a pen. So helping them understand why they shouldn't unwind the protections that are there is a conversation that you need to have about 50 times before it really sinks in. And we haven't had now, Marty, I'll make you and Maureen a deal. 
is that I'm keeping notes on the what needs to be adjusted or changed. Uh, but I'd like to stay with the original question of first, let's talk about what has worked well. So I've got, you've got current documents, which we all know in the industry is pretty impressive in itself, right? Um, what else would you say has worked well? Uh, we trust our financial planner. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. If, yeah. you, if you don't trust your financial planner, you're in a bad position. Yeah. I'm mean, frankly, Courtney, that probably is the key um, ingredient in the success of my business over the years. That statement Maureen just made could come from m virtually every one of my clients. And if that didn't come from them, they weren't a client of mine anymore. I, mean, I, I wasn't able to continue serving them. I'd find a way to move them on to somewhere else. So that, that's, that really has gone very well. Well, I, thank you for being overt about, in a way, what I would call the secret sauce. Not only of your estate plan, but of your growing your business. That, that, that level of trust was just a cornerstone for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What else would you say, and Michael, you have a really interesting vantage point, obviously. Um, you're in the family and you're a trusted advisor in the family and outside the family. What else would you say has gone well? Um, I would say the, the willingness to think differently um, has been a really good thing you know mom like she said trusted us um and i want to get to the things that need to find i want to stay away from the what needs to be fine-tuned so i'm trying really hard to just the fact that you know 10 years of being with the purposeful planning institute and knowing what those those two core values i grew up with them you know and so what went well is listening to their, you know, knowing their core values and being able to help them with that. Um, you know, which we still, you know, the, the families that I serve today outside of this family, we do the same thing. We, we wanna find out what are those core values to make sure that we use them as the litmus test to the planning work that yeah. we're doing because it's their core values that matter, not, not ours. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, every one of my clients would have a trust to start you know, their family vacation. <laughs> That's not the case. Right. So, Great. Yeah. Anything to add to the list of what's working well? I've got current docs. We trust our financial plan or willingness to think differently and really staying true to your core values. It, it's a relief to have some kind of plan, a good plan in place. Um, but I've heard so many horror stories through the years uh, yeah. of people that don't have these things in place. And, you know, we've helped people that um, are dangling and don't know what to do. So it's um, peaceful to know that we have a plan and uh, it might not be perfect, but um, it's as good as we can get it at the time that we did it. Maureen, I want to really underscore something that you just said, is that I remember when I first started working with family businesses, my uncle had an independent insurance company. 
and he knew exactly what I did for a living. And we'd have breakfast once a month and just chat. And I asked him about his estate plan. And he said, oh, I'm going to do it on the golf course. And I'm like, what does that mean, Uncle Harold? And he goes, well, I, I just don't want to have to deal with all the complicated variables, or not to mention your aunt. So um, I'm just going to let the attorneys deal with it after I pass. And obviously, he was trying to be lighthearted about it, but it, he was serious at the same time. And that's the, something that we know in the industry is that's the norm. People avoid working on their estate plan because they don't want to do the hard work and the emotional churn that it creates. So my hat's off to you all for what you just said. You have a plan and that's, that's remarkable. Yeah, I'm a big believer in life insurance and estate planning because my first husband, Michael's natural father um, died at 28. So um, uh, we didn't have much. Uh, Wow. And uh, knowing that death can happen at any time, we never know, um, made me a believer in all of this planning. You know, I we want, want to take children. Yeah, yeah I, that must have made it very real for you, Maureen, the, the mm -hmm. importance of doing this work. Wow, thank you for sharing that. Now, the next question is going to sound a little bit unusual, but I wanted to say it nonetheless. When you think about this list of what's worked well, I'm curious about whom you have to appreciate for that. Yeah, Marty, of course, started it. And, yeah. uh, and then Michael pushed. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, the old story about the cobbler and his uh, uh, kids going without shoes. Um, while we were, you know, in better shape than most people um, to get it all wrapped up, it was Michael pushing, pushing, pushing to, um, you know, finish, finish everything. And, uh, um, and, and Marty used to do that also. So, um, you know, it's... Maureen, I thank you for that because that's exactly what I wanted to kind of surface and it relates to the last story I just shared is that my hat's off to Marty for initiating this process because again, it's unusual. It takes a lot of courage and oomph and tenacity just to keep the ball rolling. So well done, Marty. And yeah, my... Pardon me? Pardon I just me. You need a good team of people to get it done. Um, you know, Michael's role for sure, but then you need an attorney who can help you put together the documents to accomplish what it is you're looking for um, as yeah. well. And thank God we haven't gotten to the point where we need an accountant to sort, of, sort it out, but uh, that'll be a person at some point in the future we'll need in the picture as well. Right. Yeah, thank you for broadening that to that. It's really the team that has also made this all work for you all. Yeah. Michael, your mom said something interesting. Um, made me, sm both you and I smile, which was, she said, and Michael pushing, 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 is that's often the role 
um, uh, there's a usually a, a son and daughter in the family that's pushing things along. How have you done that? Been that advocate that's been appropriately pushing? Sure. Um, well, we learned that you know through the organization that Dad and I were affiliated with. Um, there was a creed, and I'll simplify it, but it said, you know, serve first, last, and always. And that was why dad entered this business um, 41 years ago, because he was working for the Diocese of Rochester and married mom. And now all of a sudden he's got, you know, him, mom, and two boys. And working on a diocese salary wasn't going to make it happen. Um, but he was working for the diocese because he was a servant. And, you know, so when the creed was served first, last, and always, that was, you know, in there. The longer version of that states something to the nature of basically, uh, you're not going to like me sometimes. I'm going to say things that, 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 that are going to upset you, and I'm going to be the one, the, the thorn in your side, that makes sure that your family is taken care of at the time that it's needed the most. And I, again, I'm paraphrasing. It was like a four paragraph creed that was put together 50 years ago or longer. And we still- 1948, Michael. There you go, Stuart Smith. Um, and so we still talk about it today. And because of our family being one of giving, that has prevailed today. So I, you know, we created an implementation schedule after we put the plan together. And uh, I wasn't the one that was pushing, it was the implementation schedule. I would just bring it back to the both of them and say, hey guys, these are still open items. We need to get these done. So gently, carefully, caringly, um, just move, that, move them forward so that uh, it, it could get done. Great, thank you. Now I want to go to the question that you three have been waiting for, which is uh, what needs to be fine-tuned, reconsidered, adjusted, whatever language um, you want to put around that. And the first thing that I have already down on my list is that you need to have a number of one-on-one -on -one conversations with each of your kids. So that's really clear. What else is a next step? I think looking at the irrevocable life insurance trust um, and seeing is there a way to preserve what it can do without the complexity of trust ownership? Because, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of hoops you got to go through for that to actually work. And having been in the business for a long time, I know what the hoops are and I know how to get through them. Um, Michael knows what the hoops are and how to go through them, but it's still a pain in the neck to go through the hoops to make it work. And it's chiefly to be able to make the, the, the resource that appears in that trust available to the family with no tax exposure. We, life insurance is income tax free from the, the get go. It's the estate tax we need to avoid. And the estate tax is pretty much a non-issue for people with estates mm -hmm. our size. So, um, that would be a hit list for me is do, is there a way for us to examine eliminating the irrevocable trust yet preserving um, the benefit that it gives us of 
having a pool of capital that could be used for a specific purpose. Well, I mean, frankly, if all four kids agreed um, to what the purpose of the fund would be, we wouldn't need the trust to do it. So there's a possibility, but we need a lot of conversation before we went down that route. Maureen, what would you add to, to that list of things to be reconsidered or adjusted? Mm. Um, I have relatives that are not in good financial shape and I help them out, not a lot, but some and um, I wouldn't want them left dangling without some help. And so to have a pot of money that uh, could be used for that purpose, again, it wouldn't be a lot of money, but um, sometimes they need help. And uh, um, I'm, I, I like to help. Got it. So, Maureen, your request is that that be considered, um, mm -hmm. that there is some money available to help, um, at least in a limited way, with certain family members. Yeah. And, Courtney, in the previous version to our documents, which were like five or six years older than the ones we did uh, in 18, um, Maureen did call out uh, two different chunks of money for these two different individuals. Um, and in, with Michael's guidance, um, we took that out of the next version. And what I do have in place, I mean, this is our money together, but it came from the business and saving a whole lot of money and putting money into retirement accounts. And so I have control over the vast majority of the resources. So um, we have used beneficiary designations on one of my IRA accounts to accomplish that for these nice. family, particular family members. We've got a part of one of my um, retirement accounts going, not in cash to this family member, but spinning off and generating an income for that person as long as they live. Yeah, excellent. She already had the vehicle for that then. We do. Okay, excellent. Maureen, is there anything else that you can think that you want to be considered here? Um, probably going through the document would um, uh, help me to uh, remind me of um, everything we've done, which I have, we haven't done recently. So um, a review of the document would help. Okay. You know, wills are 23 pages long. The trust is 49 pages long. Um, I've been reading legal documents for 45 years, um, and it put me to sleep. So, um, <laughs> there's a lot, so. Yeah, well, yeah. Those documents can be pretty dense, can't they? Yeah, very dense. But, the, you know, they, one of the, back to one of the, the keys to uh, success in the business is if even people who have paid great attention to their estate plan, they've got 38 page, 59 page documents that they don't understand. 
either. So to be able to pull out the nuggets and say, this is what it says. Is this what you want? Yeah, that's what I wanted. Okay. Or no, that's not what I wanted. Then let's fix it. That's, that's a really great, if I can jump in real quick, that's a great sure. point. Dad, you and I have a colleague that serves somebody that's in the top 100 wealthiest people in the country. And what happened here, Courtney, was, you know, so there's a, a billionaire that has all of his own documents, all of his own attorneys. I mean, he has everything taken care of. And, my, you know, I, one of our colleagues got a meeting with them. It was a 30-minute meeting. He said, you will never find anything in any of my documents. He goes, give me a shot. And signed a non-disclosure agreement, took those agreements. And one of the insurance, you know, trusts, had a huge hole in it and 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 that's you know one of the things that that you know I'm so blessed that dad found the company that trained us and and you matter of fact you know Tim Belber who came who, who worked through the same channel that we did um, and you know that's what's different is most financial advisors um, are really good at the retirement planning, are really good at the investment advising. But when it comes to, you know, reading the documents for the insurance trust or the, or the trust or reading the buy-sell agreement and the operating agreement of the, the company, that's not where they spend their time. And people, you know, rely on the attorney to do all of that stuff. And what we have found through the years is that, you know, a, most attorneys, even really, really good ones, have a certain set of documents that they use, the templates. And so they, you know, the looking at the values and looking at all of the nuances of what happens first is difficult. And so that's one of the reasons why we are cross-trained in so many different areas and why when purposeful planning and, you know, and Jay said, Jay Hughes said, Michael, you need to meet John A and you really need to start learning family dynamics. I did. Um, not, you know, and, and then the other thing is, so one is the documents, two is something that mom said earlier that I just want to, you know, that I want you, that I think is great. You said, you know, I don't like these things set in stone. And then on the, the flip of that is you said, it's probably be a good idea if I review these documents. And what we would throw out is that one, you, you don't know, you, you know, you may forget this, but they're not all set in stone. And, and we did that on purpose to give you enough ability to make changes as we were going through things. Um, even if after both of you pass, you know, they're, they're set up with some, you know, um, ways to work through them. And two, um, it's not just a review of the documents. It, it really makes a difference to flow chart the estate because as dad was saying, there's beneficiaries on a lot of things like insurance and IRAs and annuities. And unless you flowchart it, you may be surprised to find out that the document doesn't match up to what's actually happening. And so there, there's just that extra, that extra layer to it. So I, we will do that, Mom. I promise we'll uh, flowchart that again for you. Kay's going to be really excited. <laughs> Courtney, put it on your uh, gotta be done list. So, uh, so you got somebody else bugging them to do it. And it is on the list. Good. Good job, Kay. Now, I, I'm curious about um, the uh, vacation experience that you're talking about every year. 
is that um, when you got the feedback this year that a certain percentage of family members were at least saying as of that moment in time, they weren't sure they were interested in maintaining that tradition. What, where does that lead the three of you in your thinking about, because the original purpose of that was to create an experience you, you mentioned and to be a, a glue in the family. And that's back to that value, Maureen, of time, quality, time spent together. So what, what is your thinking about that now? We're pretty open-minded. Um, you can't force people to do what you, you would like them to do, um, including your, your kids. Um, but I would bet the, the kids of our kids would like the experience. So, um, you know, maybe some of the adults wouldn't want to do it, but I don't know, it, 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 it just needs to be talked about and uh, we're open to, to change and um, they all know what we value and you give your kids um, everything you can while you have them and then you know, they, they live their lives. So um, we had a friend who has a cottage and they were gonna uh, sell it when they die. And their children said, no, no, you can't do that. And um, so they had a meeting with their kids and three of the four loved the cottage. The fourth one wants no part of it likes to visit once in a while, but doesn't want to own it. So um, they worked out a plan that um, that child will get a lump sum and the others will get the cottage. So you can always work around things and, you know, we'll, we'll just do something like that, you know. Well, I love what your disposition is, Maureen, that you're saying, we're just open to having the conversation with our kids. We don't have to dictate something. We just need right. to have it that be kind of an organic process. Yeah. 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 Marty or Michael, what would you add to that? Um, um, back earlier, I talked about the fact that, uh, you know, there are provisions in the trust that are, the, the will rather, that are there for good positive protection, um, but they're complex. And you gotta have it explained to you several times why it makes sense for you to receive your inheritance in a trust instead of just outright. And um, especially when they read the part that says, and you are the trustee of your trust and you are free to take the money out of the trust. So. Well, why put it in the trust to start out with? I'm just going to take it out. Um, okay, let's have a conversation about why you might want to leave it in the trust. Here's why people create trusts and leave things in trust for the benefit of their kids. Nice. So having multiple conversations about this with them is probably going to be pretty important. You know, I, I, it's refreshing to me, Maureen, that you've emphasized that a couple times now, multiple conversations. 
because this is complicated technically, and it's also complicated emotionally for people. So to, you're, both of you have this willingness to keep going back and refreshing the conversation and having, as you said, Maureen, an open conversation about the trust and how they work and your, you know, your wishes and what's important to you. So I, I applaud you for that. Um, Michael, I am curious about your thoughts about what, it's a two-part question. Um, were you kind of surprised when you were all gathered and you heard some of your family saying, oh, I'm, I'm not so sure we want to continue this tradition? And what are your thoughts about what can be done about that? Sure. Um, I wasn't surprised. And that's, and that's why we started the family meeting and started talking about these things, why I was pushing for it, you know, 10 years of working with the Purposeful Planning Institute and listening and learning. You know, I, I didn't do, I didn't get my, my bachelor's in psychology, but I bet you it's pretty close to an equivalent with all the time and the, and the learning that we've spent there. Um, and you could just tell that what, one of the things in my opinion that we missed is as we're bringing in spouses, they're coming from other families and they're coming from other values. And, and then, you know, I went through a divorce and there was almost two other divorces in the family that didn't happen. And so there, you know, there was some, you know, there, there was, this is just, this is just family, you know, this is just normal family stuff. Yep. And, and I, you, you just knew that, you know, as, as Jay says, um, families of affinity win. And my parents have always, always believed in affinity over blood. And, but at the same time, it's doing the exercises and finding a way to bring a voice to the outside family members, um, and, you know, the, the, the married in spouses, to ensure that we were doing that because again, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was Columbus family vacation, not, you know, each name of each, you know, the, the family name of each spouse. And it was always the Columbus traditions. Well, what about some of the other traditions? And, and, and I believe that we do a really, really good job of that. My wife is Jewish. We're a Catholic family and we celebrate Shabbat dinner, you know, during, PFV, you know, on Fridays. And so we were very inclusive, but there's emotions and thoughts and feelings that we might not always gather. And so this was an opening for us to just to say, in my opinion, while mom and dad are here, while there's a chance to open up this dialogue at a better, at a bigger level, and that's the, the fact that they're saying, you know, we need to have some one-on-ones. It's figuring out what are those conversations? How do you have those conversations so that everybody feels included? Everybody feels part of the decision and that we can either decide not to do it together or decide to do it together. And, and how do we do that? I wonder, Marty Marie, what um, Michael said is profound. And as someone who deals with the family dynamic side of the equation a lot, and I know a lot of people on this call are in that field as well, 
how how is it that you pulled that off? Because that how to involve the in-laws can be very divisive and people going through divorces and all that. Well, that's that can be very divisive. So how have you all created that space uh, to, to be so successful at that? We try to stay out of our children's business. And um, uh, while we love them and, and want the best for them, they do their own thing and um, I don't know, what am I trying to say? Well, that, those are excellent points, which is right on in terms of our strategy. I would go back, how did we make it work successfully, Courtney? Um, when Michael and David were little kids and along came Elizabeth, uh, who was four years younger than David, and then Andrea, who was four years younger than her, um, every Sunday, we go to church on Sunday and directly from church, we went to her parents' house where her mother was bedridden with multiple sclerosis. And the kids just knew that was part of what we did on Sundays. Um, so family values um, were planted deep in those kids early on. Yeah. And we've continued on with that through um, her mom, then her dad, then my, well, my father, then my mother, uh, then... Uh, Maureen's first husband's grandparents, we cared for them. And then his mother, we cared for her. Then a friend of the family, no blood relation, um, lived with us till the day she died. So our, our kids have seen us yeah. involved in giving to other people. Marty, thanks for sharing that. And that's, that's, your words are really powerful for all of us. Is that a lot of people talk about their values and they're kind of on the shelf. You were living your values and modeling that, which was an incredible gift for your family. I, I think the kids feel that and they see that. Um, and it contributes a lot to the way they feel about family, their own families and the bigger family. I'm not sure we answered your question, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I thought you did beautifully, Marie. I, I, it, it was, I couldn't imagine a better answer about what you've done to make it work. Michael, I'd like to turn it to you, over to you with one final question, and then you can wrap up however you would like to wrap up. Is that um, kind of a two-part question here? Is there anything that you would add to what your mom and dad said um, just about the family of affinity, because that's something very important, obviously. Or any last minute thoughts that you have about anything you learned or, or were struck by on this conversation that we had this morning, um, or any to-dos that are on your mind, just whatever you would like to do, Michael, to kind of wrap a bow on this. Sure. Um, well, there was one other piece that, you know, we didn't talk about um, that, you know, speaks volumes. When, when mom married Marty, um, 
Marty turned around and, you know, David and I had lost our father and he asked if he could adopt us. And so, I mean, from day one of yeah. working with Marty and Maureen, um, we knew what a family of affinity meant. And so when I read that in Jay's book, it resonated, you know, family wealth, keeping it in the family. Um, and, you know, that works for our family. What hasn't worked is the, you know, is the, now we have to step up and teach. We've shown it, you know, the four siblings grew up in the same house for many, many years. So we share all of that. And it's no different than the family business, you know, at the cousin generation, when you'd grow up in different families. And that's the part of spending the time to help the, the spouses that have married in really understand how important family of affinity is to us and what does that mean? Um, and they've seen it through the years, you know, when, when Charlotte lived with mom and dad, they were her hospice. Um, she was not a blood relative, but we called her Aunt Charlotte after 15 years of being together. And she came to, she, we just adopted her into our family. You know, she was a, um, a, a parish, you know, administrator, um, ran, you know, some of the parishes in, in the area. And our uncle, who was a priest, knew her and said, hey, would you mind if she came to, you know, um, Christmas or Easter or whatever? And we said, of course. And then eventually, you know, she just became part of the family and came to the and everything else. So, you know, our, our, our spouses saw that, but it, it's different seeing it without more of the stories. Right. It's different. You know, I think, I think we, you know, if we could share more of these stories about what our Columbus family values, it would really make a, a giant difference. And like there's, there's, there, we did a family meeting for one of my clients three weekends, four weekends ago, and the married ends did a, um, they went, they, they left the area and came back in cowboy boots, vests, um, jean, jean, cut off jean shorts if they, you know, for the, the girls and uh, Levi's and black hats. And they said, we just, you know, if you haven't known this, we call ourselves the outlaws because we're not part of the family, but we are. And, and what does that mean to be an outlaw and, you know, and how do we deal with this family, this family and the family business? And how do you learn to do all this stuff? Well, we just want to extend a couple of hats out. And they reached out to the new married ins over the last couple of years. And it was just beautiful. And you could just see, you know, they, they extended the cowboy hats. And there was one of the girls there that was, they just got engaged. And they looked at her and said, you'll get your cowboy hat next year. Uh, <laughs> And so that indoctrination of teaching people what the family is all about is work. It's a lot of work, but it's worthy work. And I think that that's some of the stuff that we could do to, to bring the same kind of feelings that we just had the three of us experienced because of your facilitation, Courtney, thank you. Um, that we can extend that to other families whenever possible. And we need to be doing it inside of ours. Absolutely. Yeah. This this was this was uh, very helpful. I've got my to do list. Um, 
And, you know, I hope that this was helpful for anybody else that, you know, those that are on the phone, Dan, I saw you unmuted yourself questions or comments. Um, no, it, actually, it was very insightful. And Courtney, we know each other through CFF. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. We, were in Mi we were in Miami together. You were a new member. That's correct. Yes. Thank you for clarifying. No, I, <laughs> um, no I, it was very insightful. I mean, I, I think there is an interesting case of irony that this is a family business that specializes in family wealth and legacy, and yet internal to your own family, this still takes a lot of work. Um, so, um, Courtney, just watching your line of questioning and how you, you know, really just kept sort of keeping it very personal and really sort of, you know, repeating what you heard, making sure that you're clarifying things uh, and really just continuing to build on the conversation and, and build on your own understanding of the case was, was very insightful. Um, and, you know, just the, the fact that, you know, there were a few emotional moments in there and, and, and I think we've all experienced them, whether it's, you know, our own selves talking about our family and values or, you know, being part of a conversation like this, uh, it's hard not to be pulled in by the, uh, uh, the gravity of that, uh, of those feelings. So thank you all for, for sharing. Thanks, Dan. Courtney, I just got a huge hats off. This was fabulous. Marty, Maureen, mom and dad, thoughts? What did you, how, did, how did this feel for you? Nervous entering, uh, very much like your disc exercise, uh, happy leaving, not because it's over, but because it was a, a good working discussion about what do we need to do next. Great. We never uh, stopped learning, so uh, it was a good learning experience. Awesome. Courtney, if people wanted to reach out to you, how do they find you? Uh, that's a good question. Just um, <laughs> Courtney at PullinConsulting.com or just Google my name. Okay. Yeah. P-U-L-L-E-N. Um, yeah, for those that don't know it. Well, thank you to all of you for joining us today on the Family Biz Show. We have a lot, you know, we have a lot of things to share with people. If anybody wants to reach out to Family Wealth and Legacy, check out our website. We're happy to help people. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, a phone call means that you're becoming a client. We're just happy to help whenever we can. Um, so thank you all for joining us and uh, we'll see you in the future on the Family Biz Show. Thanks for listening to The Family Biz Show. We appreciate your time and trust to deliver the best guests and most cutting-edge information to help you maximize your family business. Being part of a family is tough. Add a business to that, and it gets even tougher. Tune in next week as we strive to ease your journey with The Family Biz Show. The content presented is for informational and educational purposes. The information covered and posted are views and opinions of the guests and not necessarily those of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Michael Columbus is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker dealer, member SIPC, and registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Financial Affiliates, 
and other fine companies. Family Wealth and Legacy LLC is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.